Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Kearns and today we have got with us Sarah Lloyd. Hi Sarah. Hi. Good to have you on with us today and um, how are you doing today? What's what? Let's start with what have you been up to today? We're recording yeah, this no, on, uh, in, in, in December, so 7th of December. Yeah, the things are really good. Thank you. Um, busy at the moment. Things are things are crazy going into the new year, but it's all very exciting. We've been spending quite a lot of time looking at the strategy for next year, um, what we want to work on in the business and things like that. So really enjoying it. Really looking forward to some target setting. Um, but yeah, just just getting getting ahead down and getting going. Great. Well, I met you at a networking meeting, PIN meeting, uh, not too long ago, and you uh, are probably one of our youngest guests uh, that we had uh, through the PIN and obviously probably one of our youngest guests uh, through the podcast as well. So um, so how old are you now and how long have you been in property? Um, so I'm 21 now. Um, I turned 21 in August and then I've been in property since I was 18 so three years now which yep. is, feels like a long time and it's theoretically not but it feels like a long time <laughs> well it depends how you count the days right some people repeat 100%. the same year every year for 20 years okay yeah. and um and, and you know so you've been in property longer than a lot of people who have been listening um and for also people who are listening and they have been in property uh you know 20 plus years themselves um, it's really great to have somebody on who's got the, you know, that kind of fresh energy of, uh, of just starting out as well. And, um, uh, and, you know, perhaps aware of things that, you know, people who've been in it a, a long time might not be aware of as well. So yeah. uh, there's lots of benefits to, um, to being young and starting out. That's for sure. hundred percent, hundred percent agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what made you get into property I guess so, so let's start at 18 then um most 18 year olds are kind of you know out at uni and uh, enjoying kind of the uni lifestyle away from parents and things so um what how did you get on a different path yeah so I think yeah it's probably probably very relevant a lot of my friends are still either in the last years now of uni or they're, they're sort of um taking a year out or potentially just starting work so I think it's you know fair to say that I'm not not sort of on the same wavelength as a lot of my peers um I I did go to uni I started a a degree um actually in nursing um as soon as I left school um and I I decided pretty quickly that it wasn't really the option that I wanted to go down I think I quite quickly realized that I didn't really like the uni lifestyle anyway so I didn't want to go out drinking all the time and I I didn't really see myself like living in a career in in that sort of uh, sector so I, I quickly left home, I quickly left uh, uni, went back home and then was really looking for 
looking for something else. I actually just got a job in a letting agency, you know, classically as you do when you turn 18, your parents make you pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, yeah, I just moved home. I got a job in a letting agency. I knew, I knew someone that owned one, so I got a job there. Um, and it all sort of spiraled from there. I mean, I guess the real factor for me was that I was watching all of these rent remittance statements coming through and I was seeing how much rent all these landlords were getting and I was taking basically peanuts out of it. <laughs> for doing all of the work and I was like this is really not what I wanted to be doing my time and I realized actually how um how good of an investment and things like that property itself is I'm very lucky I've got family um that own property and things like that as well so um I was very reluctant to to ever get involved sort of until I saw saw these remittance statements was coming through and I was thinking actually this is probably uh it's actually probably quite a good business to get involved in. <laughs> but lots of people uh, work in letting agents and they see the same, you know, the same invoices coming through and everything, but they don't, uh, I guess, choose to to kind of get involved and, and become a landlord themselves. Um, yeah. and certainly not kind of down the, you know, get, going down the property education route as well, which I know you've done. Um, so how did you get involved in kind of, uh, you know, in that side of things? Yeah, so I started going to the pin meetings um, literally as soon as um, I left uni, as soon as I uh, started going, working in the letting agency, I knew about Swansea Pin, which I now host three years on, which is kind of crazy, <laughs> but I started going there. Um, and and that's sort of where I started to understand about um, the education, the different strategies, understanding, you know, where you can be lucrative, how you get deals and things like that. Um, and I, I decided to go on and do Simon's 12-month programme. So that was, yeah, just the start of the education, really. I started that. I've since gone on, and I'm doing uh, Dan Hill's entrepreneur, uh, Property Entrepreneur Programme as well. Um, I think I think the main thing is education is key because everything's always changing. Nothing stays the same, certainly not in this market with property, with mortgages, with market rates. Everything is changing all the time. Um, and understanding, you know, Ultimately, when I first got into property, I had my uni savings, which was about £3,000. And the reality was I was never going to start going and buying houses where I needed £30,000 to worth of deposits. That wasn't going to happen. And so going down the route of getting educated simply just, just came about because I wanted to find a way that I could do it without, without needing you know, the £50,000 worth of deposit and refurbishment monies. Uh, and, and basically start from there. And, and you're right, there are a lot of people that will, will go and work in a letting agency and will look at those remittance statements, as every, remittance statements every single week, day, whatever, and never think anything of it. <laughs> but for me, I did, not want, I did not want to sit behind a computer screen for the next, you know, 40, 50 years processing rents for other people um, and getting nothing, you know, minimal nothing for it. It just, for me, that wasn't the way I wanted to do it. You know, I think... I think there's such a shortness about life and being able to enjoy it and spend it with the people that you want to, doing the things that you want to do. When I think, you know, I, I was sat there at 18, 19 and was like, this is not what I want to be doing. <laughs> and uh, it literally just came out of that. It was a desire basically to stop working, and despite the fact that I hadn't done it for very long. <laughs> well, a lot of people, they get, you know, 10 plus years down the line, then they realise that they don't want to be doing it, but you've kind of just yeah. shortcut that, right? <laughs> shortcut 100% yeah and so obviously you're starting out you've got three thousand pounds and you are keen and enthusiastic and fresh to to all of these new strategies so yeah how did you decide which one to start with and, and where did you start 
Yeah, so I think one of the most important things that I realized quite early on is that there are so many strategies and that not every single one of them is right for everybody. And it's so easy to go in, you know, it's called shiny penny syndrome, isn't it? You go in thinking, oh, I want to do that and I want to do that and I want to do that. <laughs> and before you know it, you're sort of absolutely bogged down with too many types of different types of deals to be done. Um, you're trying to, you know, do a million, million miles, a million things at once. And it's, it, it's just not practical. And I think for me, uh, I came to quite a quick realization that I didn't want to get into some of the really high cash flowing strategies and quick turnarounds. Although that sounds back to front, the reality was for me, I have time. Theoretically, I have time. I don't need loads of money now to replace a really high salary to pay for mortgages and kids and all of that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't have that. You know, a smaller amount of cash flow would do me absolutely fine, but actually I needed equitable growth. I needed long-term strategies. So for me, I just went down the route of, of family single lets because, you know, it was the least stressful, the least amount of work, but I still get the long-term gain out of it, which is what I needed. Now, I'm not saying HMO and rent to rent strategies aren't amazing because they are, but they're just not amazing for me. They're, that's someone else's strategy. Yeah, I think you make a really important point there. The, you know, this shiny peddy syndrome is... It, each strategy is so appealing because they all work right they all work for um for for different people who are in different circumstances so you're right there that choosing a strategy that suits you and where you're at the moment what you're looking to achieve um is really important if you're going to yeah. be successful in it so um so but a lot of people don't get started in single lets because they don't have the deposit money for a start yeah. so <laughs> how did you work that one out so yeah, I mean, I get asked this quite a lot. Um, the so I did I did do one rent to rent, but it was a single let. So people often don't believe that you can do single let rent to rent because the margins aren't big enough. Which I will pull hands up and say I think it's incredibly hard to find a single let rent to rent deal. However, it was the first one that I came about, um, and and it works and it works really well. I used actually my my uni savings, my two three thousand pounds for that. So I put some money into that, and and that was absolutely fantastic. I've still got that now. Um, but the single lets that I've bought, of course, as you say, I didn't have a deposit. I didn't have refurbishment money. And, and I knew that I needed to find a way that, that meant if I borrowed money or for whatever reason, I could essentially pay that back. So what I decided to do was basically use investors funds. So I, I, I um, worked with other investors um, on a loan basis, not a JV basis. I hadn't done deals with them before, so I didn't want to jump straight into a 50 deal with them. Um, where they had some cash in the bank, it wasn't quite grabbing them enough interest. Um, and essentially, we used that. We used that for the deposit and the refurb. Um, and then we remortgaged. So generally, the properties are probate sales and they need a lot of work. They've got problems, that, that kind of thing. Um, we did a lot of work to them and then remortgaged them. And then on the remortgage, we pull out, pull back out the investors' money and, and pay them back, which in essence is, is no money in. I've, I've made mistakes in there. I've, I've, had problems I've gone over budget I've had problems where I've miscalculated a, a, an interest or something like that and it has put me in a little bit of a tricky situation but at the end of the day you know a lot of the investors that I've worked with know how early I was starting out it was all about honesty it was all about figuring out you know a long-term solution with some of them and, and, and that worked absolutely fine but that is the route that, that I had to go down. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm sure you're not the only one that's made mistakes. So no. yeah. <laughs> not even at the beginning. I think, you know, we've all we've all been there. So for sure. Yeah. So, um, so you were buying these properties cash and in just your name then. Uh, so they would lend you the cash to buy it outright. 
Is that no, it's actually yeah, different. So I wasn't buying them cash. I was buying them with uh, bridging finance um, because at the time it, um, because I needed work, it was okay because I was looking at either a bridge to let product or I was looking at basically remortgaging out. Um, but I was just looking at the bridging products. Um, and then um, I was buying in a company as well. So the other challenge, the big challenge that I had was that when I was actually buying the, the first the first house, I wasn't employed. <laughs> I didn't have any savings in my savings account because I'd used that to do my rent to rent. Um, and essentially, I, you know, I was living at home. I didn't own anything else. You know, if, if you lay it all like that, I was pretty pretty basically unmortgageable. <laughs> um, and so buying in my own name was was going to be near enough impossible. We decided to to buy in a company um, in which I could actually default around quite a lot of those problems. Um, and actually having bought it in uh, on a bridge, and then remortgaging out actually solved a lot of our problems. So if we'd have gone straight in on a mortgage, we'd have found it much harder. Whereas when we were able to bridge, we could then do the work, get tenants in, and then re remortgage based on the tenant income. So it made it much easier to do it that way. Yeah, I was going to say. So did you need six months of um, tenancy, you know, proof of uh, income, and then uh, obviously for your first property, you were a landlord for six months to get the mortgage, or didn't that matter because it was a company? Um, so we, yeah, we had the six months, uh, it had to be a minimum six months turnaround anyway, but we took a little bit longer to do, uh, to do the work. So that was fine. It didn't make too much of an issue. Um, but we didn't have a challenge with how long the, uh, families had been in there. We basically provided, um, their contract and their proof of payment so we, that we had their deposit and we had their first couple of months rent and that was literally it. Um, and they, they took that to basically base how much we could afford on the mortgage. Oh, okay, great. And a single let's going to be, are you going to stick with that as a strategy or are you tempted by any of the other ones? No, I'm, I am going to stick with them. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I, I do sometimes have to reel myself in and, and sometimes I get a bit distracted and sometimes, you know, a deal comes over and I'm like, oh, actually that could work really well or that, that makes quite a lot of money. And I think sometimes I've just got to hold fire and you know, if, if don't get me wrong, if a really good deal came through and I couldn't turn it down, then I would take it because, you know, who, who wouldn't at the end yeah. of the day? But, you know, from a, I, I don't proactively look for anything other than single lets and stuff like that because I, I want to try and stick with the one thing that I know well um, and, and just, just do that. And for single lets, I know you said earlier, or, you know, people think that it's hard to work with um, perhaps joint venture partners or, or investors yeah. and that. And, typically you i call it a double profit so you need a profit for the investors to make sure that they get paid back and then profit yeah. for you as well uh, but are you only looking for deals where the investor gets all their money out or um you know are you looking for deals where you need that extra buffer in the cash flow to pay them um so in an ideal world we want to pay them all completely back you know ultimately i think from from a security perspective for them as well once the deal is done the remortgage has happened and they've got all their money back they don't have to worry about the market turning or anything changing for the value of the house any of that kind of stuff they've got their money back and, and that's great and obviously from our point of view then we don't have to pay interest on any money that's held in however practically sometimes that just doesn't happen um and and the remortgage so it might be a down valuation um it might have gone over budget over time and there might have been miscalculations so, you know, ultimately anything anything could go wrong and if you don't quite meet the amount of money then you have to leave it in long term which is what we have done before um and and just agreed and that and that just some of that money comes out of the cash flow which is fine and it works for us because it's still positive you know we're still making money from it 
And at the end of the day, we've got the long-term asset. Uh, but from a practicality point of view, we like to look and make sure that everyone gets all their money out on remortgage. Yeah. And as you said at the beginning, it's a long-term strategy. So 100%. yeah. And where do you find these investors? Um, well, let's say, well, let's say, where did you find them at the beginning? Because obviously now if you're hosting networking events and you're raising your profile on social media, et cetera, you know, you might attract a different type of investor. Yeah. Uh, but at the beginning, getting started, was it family and friends or? Um, um, so I actually um, met investors through networking. Um, I'd obviously built up a relationship. So I had a relationship with two with the two two of the investors, non-family investors that I used. I'd known them for nine months and they did um my first deal and the deposit of my second deal. And then I have a I had a different family member who put in the refund work for the second one that I did. And and as you say, as of um sort of now started hosting meetings or speaking meetings and things like that, that it comes from different places. But yeah, the first one I'd actually met through networking. I think the only thing that I think people sometimes I want to say uh, underestimate it does take a time it does take quite a bit of time you know it did take me about nine nine months of knowing people knowing these people having these conversations discussing the deals that I'd had going through things you know other deals that maybe I didn't go ahead with I'd spoken to them previously I could show that I knew my area and I knew the numbers and everything like that Uh, it didn't happen overnight um, but they, they actually were people that I met through networking yeah well okay great and um so when it comes to single let's Obviously, you you said you worked um, you're doing this through a company and on a bridge. Uh, yeah. because typically, uh, buy to let lenders aren't keen. It's not it's not as easy to uh, have in private investors as the deposit money. Um, yeah. So, did you find that straightforward? You know, doing that with the bridge. Um, yeah, I think I think as it was a bridge, it was much easier because there's a lot more bridging products that allow um, allow you to use investors money as as a deposit going straight into a mortgage we'd have found that more difficult what we did find is that um we didn't really ask when we remortgaged where the deposit money came from so once we'd owned it it wasn't so much of an issue um the the only thing like i think you know i I couldn't couldn't have done any of it without was was a good mortgage broker because as i say you know given the situation that i was in um you know i didn't really have a credit history i didn't have an income i didn't have savings i was using someone else's money i was doing it in a company like if you could name almost all the problems that i could have had i did so like getting a specialist mortgage broker a whole of market specialist mortgage broker that could actually offer the best product for the situation that i was in and uh, without them i wouldn't be able to do the bridge or the remortgages but um, I do think having having gone through a bridge in the first place, although it was a little bit more expensive, it actually made it possible. So, yeah, I think sometimes it doesn't matter if things are more expensive, if they make the deal possible, if the deal still works, it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really encouraging to see that you've just found a way, as you said, though, you know, you can sit and list out all the reasons why you couldn't do it um and you know for most people that would just put them off and they wouldn't bother yeah. even picking up the phone but actually you know you found a lender that you know that is happy with those criteria and yeah. happy to lend so it's amazing it's really encouraging for people because i know a lot of people listening to this they might not be um you know in employment or they might <clears throat> they might be just starting out and thinking how how yeah. do i do this how do i work it out so um so that's great and um okay so then obviously you're um hosting the networking meeting uh pin uh which one was it sorry swansea swansea yeah 
yeah and uh it's interesting obviously because you're seeing a lot of different speakers come through and and people in the area so um how do you find that people um you know are they are they because you've got a very kind of natural positive energy about you as well so what do you think the benefits are of being kind of younger and um starting out in this industry yeah I think I think one of the things that I got a massive like benefit from was when I when I first bought my house I went from thinking that three thousand pounds because that's all I'd ever seen in my savings account three thousand pounds is a lot of money (laughs) and I went in and borrowed you know 50 grand for a deposit and some refurb money and then I owned a house that was worth on its remortgage 200,000 and then it was a case of increasing the portfolio and I think I, I I did all of the first deal. I put the deposit in. I did the viewings. I agreed, you know, the sale. I got the solicitors involved, and then I don't think I realised until after I'd done it all. I was like, "What have I just done?" <laughs> and I think I think actually almost some of the naivety of not having experienced problems of purchasing houses or um, you know all of that kind of stuff because I was almost a little bit naive. To it. I just went in with no fear and. And that's how I did the deals. I don't think I'd have done them if I if I didn't just bite the bullet and go and turn up savings and start calling estate agents and stuff like that. Um, and I think, you know, as a young person who hasn't experienced all of the problems of buying your own property and, and, and market turns, you know, I wasn't, I was diddly when we had the big market crash in 2007, 2008. So like, I don't, I don't remember any of that. I don't, I never experienced any of it. And so I, I'm always naive to, some of the problems that I think a lot of a lot of older people might be like oh well what if this happens or what if that happens so you know I, I just didn't think about half of it <laughs> and so I just went straight in at the deep end and you know don't get me wrong I made sure that the deals were right and I made sure that the investors understood you know where their money was going and, and all of that kind of stuff but it was a case of you know I think there was there was hardly any fear because I've I've never never had to be in that situation before so I think you know that is one of the benefits benefits yeah. of doing it younger and you you made the decision to invest in your education as well and not yeah. just you know doing this so uh, you weren't completely on your own you had coaches mentors yeah uh, you know other people in the group that you could ask advice from so I think that's really important and how did that affect your sort of investing strategy I guess or your confidence um, did that I think yeah I think it's massive and I think um you know people people say you pay you pay to learn either way either way you pay you get the education up front or you pay because you've made a mistake and you're now paying for that mistake you know I think people pay for their education one way or another um you know and and I think having someone to relay off questions or problems or queries or anything like that concerns that I had having someone to relay that off have that conversation with was incredibly useful uh, and I think also accountability like uh, just having someone that checks in on you like I, I remember having a conversation um with, with someone who, who was basically I didn't want to call estate agents I was really scared of it and I, okay yeah what's the worst they can say no and I was just like but it really petrified me. I didn't. I didn't know what to say if they said, "Oh, sorry, no," or, or anything like that. And and being turned away, it was all you know. It was all really big, like fearful thing. And, and so I was refusing to call the estate agent. And I spoke to this person, and she said, um, and she was like, "All right, I'll set you a challenge." She, she was like, "The worst thing they're going to do is say no. Call ten estate agents in the next week, and we'll have a call next week and see how it went." And um, 
And I did it. The next day I picked up the phone. I had a list of 10 estate agents ready to go. And I thought, you know what, instead of like, you know, wandering about and doing one today and one tomorrow, I was like, I'm just going to do all 10 now. I was like, I know what my criteria is. I know the questions I need to ask. I know what I'm looking for. And I called all of them and I had so much adrenaline. I was like, I just need to go and take a nap. <laughs> and I did. And, and it turns out one of the, one of the properties that I bought actually came from one of those calls. Wow. So, you know, even just having someone to push you a little bit out of your comfort zone, it, it, it can make so much difference. Cool. Well, let's dive into those conversations then, because I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are put off by talking to agents, for less yep. estate agents, and they don't know what to say. And uh, worse than that, they're anticipating them saying, well, you know, where are you getting your money from? And and, and who are yep. you? <laughs> um, what background have you got, et cetera? And, and where are your proof of funds? And for people working with investors, uh, you know that's a bit it, that question can throw you right so yeah, um, the first thing they do is try and take all your details down so how did those conversations go what what did you say and yeah, what I did mean, you say when they challenged you so I the, the first thing is every every time I went to call an estate agent so now I'll only I'll only really call agents when I've seen a specific property or something like that so so I don't really have I've so much of it anymore. However, like I do call them up and they're like, oh, well, let's get you on the system. And then what's all your criteria thing? As you know, I make sure I know exactly the location that I'm looking for and be specific as well, because if you're not specific enough, they'll just give you everything. So be specific on the location, how many bedrooms you want, um, price. And I would always go over budget of whatever your budget is because people, um, like sellers will reduce the price. So, you know, if you're looking to buy at 180 maximum, you would easily put in 200, if not 250, because one day it might come back down to where you are. You can always get into those doings and negotiate. So go over the budget of whatever your budget is that's set. And then, and then whatever the problems are that you're looking for, you know, for me, it was, it was always things like, um, has a property been, have you got any properties that have been reduced drastically? Anyone that's looking to sell really quickly? You got any probate sales? We've got any that need quite a bit of work that includes structural that's not a problem at all and I'll go in with a list of things that that you know I think would give me the deals that I was looking for you know by buying low needing a lot of work and then being able to remortgage out and so I went in asking those questions I had all those questions pre-prepared and then I would just they some of them would list off some properties that they've got would like to book in a viewing yeah great and and tick it like that um, and, and I think that, you know, that was really valuable because it, it gave them a really good starting point. I wasn't just going in and be like, oh, have you got anything on the market? You know, I'm really specific. I clearly know what I want. I know what my budget is. I know what I'm looking for. And I think a lot of it is um, like, like your appearance matters. So I mean, obviously, if you're calling on the phone, it's not physically, but it's how you come across. You know, if you're confident, if you turn up to viewings with pre-prepared questions about a property, about an area or anything like that they're going to take you a lot more seriously than if you sort of just rock up and, and hope for the best and just just have a dawdle around and look around, take photos, take videos, say, oh, can I take a video for this for my builder or anything like that? And it just sort of hints to them that, that you are that much more serious than, you know, anybody who just walked in looking for a property. Yeah, and people forget so often that, uh, you know, if they've done even a little bit of property education, they'll yeah. know more than what the agents know in terms of how you can make a deal out of a property and be creative. Yeah. So it's sort of um, having that in mind when you're having that conversation as a bit of a secret power and certainly not yeah. coming across like you do no more. Um, yeah. But as you say, they're having that kind of confidence and the clarity and just being very kind of, you know, assertive in what you're what you are looking for. Um, yeah. Then that really helps. Great. OK, so um, and was it as bad as you thought? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I had a lot of adrenaline. I just find it very difficult. And like, as I said, afterwards, I was absolutely knackered. Like I, I just had no energy left in me. But I think, you know, as I say, they came back. Some of them came back with suggestions. Some of them I got added to their, their follow-up list of which, you know, properties have come through and, and I've gone through and, and carried on with them. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't ask, you don't get. So, you know, if you don't call the agent or anything like that, if you don't send landlord letters or whatever the strategy is, you know, you can't expect people just know that you're looking. It, it works, you know, obviously works both ways. I, I think it's it's one of those things, it's biting the bullet. Once you're doing it, it's not so bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the thoughts leading up to doing it. <laughs> Definitely. And so where are you up to now? What are you looking to kind of be focusing on? You've got your single let strategy ticking over. Um, and how do you spend your day yeah so my my actual sort of main day-to-day um business I'm actually an interior designer so um I work um basically with clients all over the UK mainly like uh, developers and things like small developers um we look at doing CGI's and walkthroughs and all of that kind of kind of stuff um which is really exciting I really like it given the fact I've got a property background as well um so yeah that's to be honest that's where I spend most of my time at the moment I talk about strategy for the year ahead a lot of it's to do with that um but yeah I mean as I say the property lets the single lets the property is ticking over sort of month by month year by year and that'll just sort of grow um but yeah at the moment it's it's full focus and full steam ahead um on all things interior design and uh so you mentioned their CGI's and do you want to explain to people who aren't familiar with that what, what yeah that absolutely <laughs> yeah so basically um what what we aim to do is is allow someone to see their project before it's finished so ultimately we, we use computer generated images which is cgi um which basically show finished rooms so um all sorts of furnishings you know the walls flooring everything basically all the fixtures and fittings um before the, the work starts so if you want to change your mind if you're not happy with what you've given the builder um you can do all of that basically before the work starts so saves a lot of time a lot of money and it can be used for all sorts of stuff from literally just planning to all the way through to advertisements so Right. And do people give you, let's say they've got a specific kitchen that they're going to buy that's going to the property, they will do that? Or is it um, sort of earlier than that in the stages where you're kind of just giving somebody an idea of the space and what can be done with it? Yeah, either. So um, from January, we're starting basically a new product system um, where we basically run free products or you can buy all of them as a VIP package. So um, we can do things like the design stage. So right at the beginning before anything's been bought, and we'll take them all the way through, you know, the designs, the CGI's, the walkthroughs, and then a, a product list at the end. Um, or you can just do certain parts. So, for example, uh, they might want a little bit of spatial mapping. They want, might want to see what it looks like, but they don't need the design doing or they don't need a, the list of all the products and stuff like that um, or vice versa. So, I mean, it's, it's custom to a degree. You know, there's a, a certain degree of, of which we will go custom, but we, we offer three different, three, three different areas or all of them combined. All right, okay. And, and these are mainly for developers. Is it mainly um, built to sell or for people, let's say they're doing HMO and they want to advertise their rooms early? Could you design a HMO room or is it more for bigger developers? Yeah, 100%. So um, we, we do look in the HMO and the service accommodation market. So okay. you know we, we do offer services for both of them. Generally, they'll either be higher higher end or bigger projects. So it might be, you know, a, a six bed HMO or, or bigger or something like that, or really high end, you know, say London apartment or something along those lines, or we'll go build to rent and build to sell development. So bigger projects, that's, you know, new bed houses or blocks of apartments, that kind of thing. 
Amazing. And uh, do people need to take, can they take photo on their phone or do they have to have professional photographs to do that? Um, so we can go with literally anything from a hand-drawn floor plan and their, oh, okay. from, uh, and their photos from their phone all the way through to architectural uh, designs, approved plans and things like that. Um, so we can literally take a hand-drawn floor plan and, and turn it into everything that they would need. Amazing. God, that sounds very creative. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, if you want to, where can people find out more about this and what you're up to? Yeah, so um, everything pretty self self-explanatory in terms of all the names will match across the race. We've got a website which is slinteriors.uk and then email us sarah at slinteriors.uk um, and then all of our social media platforms, so Instagram, Facebook, um, are sl.interiors.wales. So um, they can hit us up anywhere. I'm more than happy to have a, have a discussion, a one-on-one -on -one conversation, no commitment. Fantastic. Well, we'll put all those links in the show notes for people. And um, yeah, and so uh, any anything that we haven't discussed that you want to mention, anything new on the horizon for next year, apart from the interior design? Um, no, I think, I think you know... I thought you've got enough, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> busy enough as it is. I think it's just, uh, just okay, this is going to be a, a, you know, a big year, big year, not only for, for the businesses, but for me as well. You know, this is... Um, it's time to level up, time to make a big step change um, and start pushing the boundaries. So. Yeah. Oh, well, we're really looking forward to watching your progress and uh, you. hopefully we'll have you on again in the future and see Absolutely. what's happened. Oh, well, take care and all the best. And um, yeah, we'll uh, put the links to those in the show notes for everyone. So thank you. Yeah, thank and you for having me. No worries. And for anyone who is not yet a subscriber to the magazine, there's a link in the show notes as well for your free 30 day trial where you can uh, see more about people like Sarah who are investing in property uh, and education business. So we will uh, see you in the new year, guys. Take care. Bye bye.